0: So, this is the first time we are together here in the new year. Happy New Year, and how was your Christmas? Did you have a great Christmas season with your loved ones this this last Christmas? How many of you actually had to travel somewhere? You, You went out of town? So most of you actually stayed in town, had family come to you. Smart move, good idea. Um, I was actually able, I was so blessed. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be able to just step away for a Sunday last weekend. I was actually in Georgia with my family for a week. Haven't been there over a Christmas in like a decade. So it was such a blessing for me to be able to do that. You'll see in this picture behind me, uh, my brother behind me, he's a couple years younger than me with his wife Olivia and their one-year-old little niece uh, who was born. And uh, so was got to meet her for the first time. Also, my nephew standing up behind my son, Isaac, and my parents are in that picture as well. It was so nice to be able to go home and to be able to sit at the dinner table and eat things that you don't know exist. You know, things like collard greens and, you know, oh, man, I was in heaven there for a week uh, as my mom cooked me all the foods that I don't get to have here except when I go to Cracker Barrel. So that was really nice. <laughs> It's hard to believe also, guys, that we're actually going to start to say that we are in 2020. I mean, can you believe that? We're living in 2020. I mean, when I was a kid, people would say 2020, and I would think we would be you know, living in space or something by now, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing that we thought of when we were younger. And uh, so we're now in 2020. It's hard to believe also that my, our time together is almost complete. You know, change is hard sometimes, but our lives... They're always changing. And God uses change in our lives all the time to do His good work in us. Over the holidays, I prayed and I asked God to give me uh, some clarity on what He wanted me to share with you in my last couple of weekends w- with you. And God very clearly led me to a place in Scripture that I have preached on a few years ago when we did a sermon series on First Peter. But I'm going to just actually zone in on just a dozen verses this Sunday and next Sunday, that I feel like God's really put a message on my heart to give you, and that's around that theme of living stones. Um, so i would encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to first Peter chapter two, if you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, no sweat. All you gotta do is whip out your cell phone in your pocket. I'm sure it's there, or in your purse. Open it up to the web browser to my grace church and click on the messages tab. The scriptures are there as long, along with the, the sermon notes for today. You can feel free to use those at any time. And while you're turning there, let me just share this with you. You know, over the years, what, one of the things that, interesting things that God has done here at Grace is that he has used stones as this meaningful image or visual for us here on our journey together at Grace. Uh, Before I came, you were in a place called the land in between, as you dubbed it. And you had this altar of stones that were built. And this phrase with it that said, thus far the Lord has helped us. Here in these pictures behind me, um, a few months after I came, we did a sermon series on Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall. And we actually built a wall in this room out of concrete block and stone. And it was a time when we actually wrote on these rocks our prayers for Grace Community Church for the future. And we placed those stones in the wall and told ourselves that God was going to do a work here among us. That was the very same series in which we launched our very first G-City that we called Build Up Tucson. And we went into our city and blessed our city uh, for a weekend and made a kingdom difference. A couple of years ago, this theme kind of came up again as we launched a new... a vision for grace, a five-year vision called our faith vision for the future. Um, in 2018, we did that and we had a big celebration uh, at a high school here nearby because we couldn't pack, we didn't think we could pack everybody in. But we met together as one big body. And that particular Sunday, if you were there, you remember we had stones that we handed out and we decorated those stones and we wrote on those stones, not necessarily our prayers for the future, but our thankfulness to what God has done in our lives in the past. We wrote on those things how God has moved in this place and in our families and in our own lives to make a kingdom difference. And those stones were gathered up together and placed in a big iron cross that is just on the edge of our church here. You'll see it as as you walk out. It's still standing there today as a remembrance, a, a visual reminder that God is at work in this place. So this, is, this idea of stones or rocks has definitely been a, a, a real meaningful visual for us over the years. But what does it mean to be a living stone? What does Peter mean when he writes in First Peter chapter 2 that we are called to be living stones? Is that just some beautiful flowery language that Peter's using to try to you know, spice up his letter? Or is there some real meaning there? Perhaps meaning that we haven't seen or noticed before. Let's look at particular as we start here, that theme verse, that main verse in this, which is verse 5. Uh, he, Paul, Peter writes this, he says, You also are like living stones. As you come to Christ, you are being built into a temple or, depending, or a house of worship, depending on your translation. He says there, you will be holy priests all of you, we'll explain that in just a minute, you will offer spiritual sacrifices and God will accept them because, not because of you and how good you are, but because of Jesus Christ and what he's done in you. Heavenly Father, as we dig into this passage today, God, I ask that you would just bring it to life for us. Help us to understand what you would have us to see here. Clear away our distractions. And help us to focus in on you in these next few moments. Now, before we jump into 1 Peter chapter 2 and we understand what this is that Peter is writing about, let's take a step back and let's look at a little bit about Peter's life as a younger man and why perhaps this theme was built into his letter that he would write much later in his life. We can start back in Matthew chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. It's in your sermon notes, but you can. But let me just jump there for just a moment. When we go to Matthew 16, what we see is that the disciples that day, on a particular day, are gathered with Jesus. And Jesus had called this group of a dozen men to follow him. And he was, as he was walking around the communities, as he was sharing, um, there was this one moment where they were all together, just the, the 13 of them. And Jesus looks at them as they're gathered around. And he says, guys... Who do people around in these communities were going to? Who do they think that I am? And you know, it, I can just picture that moment, and I can just see these disciples—they're kind of punching each other in the arms and laughing. It's like you and believe Jesus the things that they, th- the people, that, what they, who they think you are. I mean, some of them—they think you're like a dead prophet that's just come back to life. I mean, they're calling you Jeremiah and all these other people, Elijah. Um, it's just crazy. And I'm sure they were just kind of sitting around and just laughing. And then Jesus turns it on. And he says, yeah, that, that's amazing. But um, let me ask you, who do you think I am? And I can picture the silence in that moment. Because only, it only mentions one person who actually says a word, who has an answer at that moment. And it was Peter. Peter boldly pipes up and he says, I know that you are God come in the flesh, that you are the Messiah that has been prophesied for centuries it would come. You are the fulfillment of that and Jesus looks at Peter in the eye and he says you know what Peter you are blessed because you didn't come to that knowledge on your own but through your relationship with the living God. You have been you are being built up and God's going to use you and in this moment Jesus does something fascinating he looks at Peter and he says, I am going to change your name. No longer will you be called Simon, but you will be called Peter. Now, 2,000 years later, we talk about Peter and we read his letters in the Bible and we think, of, we think about him, but we, we never really call him Simon because that was a part of his life that is really, isn't really talked about much in the Scriptures. But before this moment in Matthew 16, he wasn't Peter to anybody. He was Simon. And Simon, you know what the word Simon means? It means reed. He was named, a, he was called a reed. Kind of like something that's growing in the waters, so a tall grass that kind of sways in the wind. And Jesus looks at him and says, no longer will you be that. That reed, that tall grass just swaying in the wind going from here to there. He says, you will be Kepha or Cephas or Petros in Greek, is it, in, in, and, in, in Greek, all these words in Aramaic and Greek, they all mean the same thing. It's the word rock or stone. He's looking at Peter in this moment. He's saying, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your identity. No longer are you going to be this, but you will be my rock. And he says, upon you, I will start to build my church, a church that will expand across the entire globe to help people come to know who I am. No longer will you be known as a reed, a weak, impressionable person, easily swayed by those around you. You will be seen as a different kind of person. Someone who won't be swayed but will lead my new church after I am gone into a spiritual house, a community. Now, of course, Peter makes mistakes. Even after this, Peter makes mistakes in his life, just as we do. We all do. But what we also see is that in Acts chapter 2... God starts to fulfill that promise. We see Peter gather together with a few other people and they're praying. And God's spirit comes in their midst. And God starts using Peter in ways that he never dreamed was possible. And that day as he got up to speak, 3,000 people accepted Christ into their lives at one time. 3,000 people un- completely unheard of in that day. But God used him, and upon that him and those 3,000 people, God's church was established. A little later in life, we see that he writes 1 Peter, and then he writes 2 Peter. And after he writes 2 Peter, what we know about him is that he died a martyr's death, speaking the truth that he had learned, that he had shared with people all over the known world at that time about Jesus. In this letter today, 1 Peter He uh, he refers to Christ as the rock, the cornerstone upon which all of those who are followers of Christ are built up around into a spiritual house or a temple. Peter is writing to churches to encourage them to keep up the faith, even in the midst of rejection, persecution, even death. He encourages them to keep growing together, to keep worshiping together, and to keep serving together. And 2,000 years later, God continues to build a community, a strong spiritual house, even among you here in this little corner of Tucson at Grace Community Church. That strength rests on Christ's work and growth in you, in each one of you, as living stones. So my encouragement to you today is to keep building. Keep building. Yeah, we have a, a five-year vision for the future that we're a couple of years into, and part of that vision is to continue to expand our campus. And So physical building may be something that you're considering, but that isn't what I'm talking about here this morning. What Peter? I want us to focus in on what Peter is talking about here when he encourages us to keep building ourselves up into a spiritual house. By, at first, by growing together. You know, when you look at the very end of chapter 1, Peter is encouraging them to love each other deeply and to stay rooted in the Scriptures because, so that they won't sway like the grass or the weeds around them. Today, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. So let me start by uh, sharing with you just the first three verses of chapter 2. Listen to what Peter says here to the churches that he was writing to. He said, So get rid of all... Evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. And then he says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. He says, cry out for nourishment now that you have had a taste of Of the Lord's goodness. So, as we look at that here in verse 1, he's reminding them just as he's thinking about his own life. There are things in our lives, there are sins that trip us up that we allow sometimes to have way too much control of our lives. And he says, by God's grace, let's just get rid of them. Let's just do everything we can to just put those things aside so that they don't hold us back anymore. And then from there, he quickly focuses it on verse 2 where he says, as we do that, he says, let's crave spiritual milk. Let's crave, let's long for, let's desire to be able to grow together so that we can be built up into a spiritual house. He says, he he prays that that the church would grow into a full experience of salvation. When he says that he's not talking about getting your ticket punched so you can go to heaven one day. That's not what he's talking about. When he says the full experience of salvation, what he means is, yeah, salvation is to come after we die and we have that place secured with God in heaven, but Christ wants us to live in the fullness of life here and now. Christ has a plan for your life and God wants to use you if you allow him to. And so he encourages us to live in that full experience as we cry out for nourishment. As we grow together as a community, a community of living stones here at 9755 North Latoya Boulevard to be built into a spiritual house around Jesus, the cornerstone. God's Word gives us that, he says at the end of chapter 1. He says the Bible is more than just a bunch of self-help, you know, good phrases and thoughts it's that you know, just makes us feel good at the end of the day. This is our guide to this life. He, so Peter encourages us to be intentional, to be actively involved in growing together in God's Word. And he says, cry out for it. Now, guys, we've talked about this over and over again over the years, haven't we? About how Christ wants us to, um, to take intentional steps To grow closer to Him. And how we fall in love with God and and fulfill God's plan for grace is in part how we live out these spiritual commitments in our own lives. We've talked about these four spiritual commitments at Grace many times over the years. This is how we are living into the vision of Grace Community Church in our own lives. And how Grace continues to have an impact in our community. As we do four things. As we, um, we, we come together and we can worship. As we serve Him in our community, in our world, and as we grow in two ways. Through our personal time with God, as we spend time on a daily basis, praying, communicating with God, spending time in His Word, finding those ways, maybe through journaling or whatever it might be, to take those steps on a regular basis closer to Him, intentionally. And secondly, that we do so through intentional relationships, that we put ourselves in a place on a regular basis where we are growing together together, not just on our own at home, but together as a community through small groups of various kinds, whether it's a short-term group like the ones Sue mentioned earlier this morning that are getting started, or Alpha or long-term groups that are meeting all, you know, in homes um, throughout the northwest side of Tucson for those of you who are part of Grace. Those, these two ways are the ways that we grow together our time alone and as we bring that knowledge together through our intentional relationships and we meet together. But notice, when Peter is talking about growing here and growing God's church, he's not necessarily talking about size. He's not talking about how many seats you're able to fill on a weekend. He's talking about something much more valuable and more important, about how we grow spiritually as a church. Now, I have a confession to make. Um, Eight and a half years ago, when I came to Grace... As you, some of you know who were here at that time, I was a little green. This was my first time being as a lead pastor in a church. And um, I had this idea or this vision of what God was going to do here. Um, and it included, you know, you, you guys have known that I've always had a passion to reach people for Christ. It is just in my DNA. I can't help it. And it will be, hopefully it will be so imprinted upon you that it, no matter who comes in through these doors, that will always be a part of who you are. But I had this, to be. Uh, to be honest with you, I had... Peter's idea mixed up here when I first came. And when I thought, thought about growth, I thought about seats. I thought about how, you know, I had this idea that God was going to use me. I was going to come in and all of a sudden this place was just going to skyrocket. and We were going to be out of, we were going to have a chair for anyone to sit in and we were going to be planning another campus within a few months and all these ideas. And I put myself into an unreasonable position where I was stressed and concerned and beating myself up even at times because things weren't happening The way I thought they were. Because I saw that God was calling me to growth by filling seats. And God in his love and grace quickly helped me to realize how dumb that idea was. That what Peter was talking about here wasn't filling seats. He was talking about growing spiritually. And that my role has been here over the years which I have done my very, very best to live into. Is to help be a guide, an example to you as we open up the Word, to help you to see how you can take one step closer to Jesus this week, and to continue to do so. Because as you do, uh, and you're, as you're walking that journey of faith, if you keep taking those steps closer to Him, you will keep growing, and you will keep having a greater and greater impact on the community and world around you. And that my job wasn't to fill seats. That's Christ's job, but it's also as God works in us, and as we're growing spiritually as we're salt and light, then it just happens because of who we are and how we live out our faith in the lives of those around us in our city and in our world. Which leads to verse 4 where Peter talks about people coming to Christ. You know, as we have grown spiritually here at Grace and as we've become stronger, more and more people have come to Christ here through the ministries of Grace. Did you know that in many churches today around this country, they will go through an entire year where not one person accepts Christ into their lives. happens all the time. A majority of churches in America today, and also in Europe, that is their daily reality. And for us, we have seen dozens and dozens of people accept Christ here over the last eight and a half years alone. And dozens more who have rededicated their lives to Christ and have gone into the waters of baptism. Over the last few days, I just took some time to flip through some of our digital photos and just see some of the many, many people who have made those steps of faith here over the last few years, and it blessed me. I cried as I flipped through those pictures and saw how God has worked here in so many amazing ways. And as I looked at the faces of those who were being baptized, I saw new life. I'm so grateful for how God's working here, and I know that God will continue to do that in the years to come. That is the fruit of a community that is building itself up into a spiritual house. And we have celebrated that here at Grace over the, over the years. There's been nothing that has been more exciting, nothing that I have trumped up more here at Grace over the years than when we do baptisms. And we celebrate the transformational work of God. Some my ministries know about this but not many of you may know about this Uh, shortly after I came to Grace I uh, bought this book it's a leather bound book and I actually stuck a little label on it and called it Grace Book Um, this book has been sitting in our ministry office here at Grace now for the last eight and a half years and this book is very very precious to me because in this book are the names of every person who have accepted Jesus as their Savior since I've been here? Every person that I know of who've rededicated their lives to Christ as a result of coming to an Alpha class or being in a small group or coming on a Sunday morning. Every person who has been baptized here, and many of these times, many of these places, we've written into the names the names of those who had to help make that possible here at Grace the person who invited them to Grace the person who brought them to an alpha the person who brought them on a sunday morning because let me tell you these names matter this is the evidence of lives transformed i love this book and every time i've been able to pull it off the shelf and write a an name in it i have said a prayer and just thank god I'm leaving this book here to the pastoral staff to continue after I'm gone. But I would have to tell you something. When I come back to visit, and I will at different times, I am going to look for this book. I am going to want to see this book. Before I even shake your hands, I'm going to want to see this book. And I want to want to see the stories of the lives that have been transformed since I have gone. Because this is the evidence of living stones. This is the evidence of lives that are changed, that are radically transformed by the power of Jesus in a person's life. And this is why we're here. You will keep building up God's house as you keep growing together, but also as you keep worshiping and serving God together. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. Peter continues on and he says, And you, you... In these seats are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. That is Jesus. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, will never be shamed. In verse 5, Peter says it pretty clearly, doesn't he? You are living stones being built up into a a spiritual house, or depending on the translation, a a spiritual temple. In other words, you're a community of grace-filled people that God is always seeking to help take one step closer to him. Now, please understand, when Peter is talking here about the church or God's temple, he is not talking about a building or a location. Christ's church is not a building Christ's church is you you are the church no longer is God's temple in a building made out of stone with human hands but it's in you God doesn't dwell here on Lechoya Boulevard that may sound sacrilegious to you but it's true God dwells in you and you carry him into this place every time you come and you carry Christ into our city every time you walk into a Starbucks and you greet someone and you carry on a conversation every time you're at the gym, every time at your workplace, every time you, are, you allow yourself to be salt and light in our community you are being a living stone that is allowing people to come to understand the truth of who Christ really is and the transformational work he can do in their lives as well. God, You are God's temple. And that temple is being built in you stone by stone. As you live in him. And it's... Exp- we uh, In your sermon notes today at the bottom, there's some questions that you can study this week as there always is. There's several scriptures there that you will find that talk about this idea of being stones built into a, a, a temple for God. And uh, you, the, those examples are there that you can actually study this week if you're interested. But whenever you see the word church in an English Bible, I pray that you will stop thinking about a place and you will think about a people because that's what... The scriptures are talking about the original Greek word there in those places where you see the word church is the word ekklesia, which actually meant a community, a group of Christ followers who gathered together. You know, in Europe today, you can walk into scores of old medieval churches that were built thousand plus years ago. And in those churches, you will see even though of some of the sanctuaries coffins, these elaborate stone Encasements where people are buried, and uh, they have even printed into into the the stone their caricatures, their likeness, so that people could remember them for years, for decades, for centuries to come. People who were nobles, who were kings, who gave a lot to the church, they did so and they were buried. And you see here in this place in Pisa, the whole uh, courtyard, the whole breezeway of their church is lined with coffins where people are buried. Let me tell you something. When Peter talked about living stones, this is not what he was talking about. (laughs) He was talking about those who are alive in Christ, who carry Christ's light into our community and our world. And each one of you in this room, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus... You are one of those living stones. And if you are part of Grace Community Church, if you have decided to make this your place, Peter is telling you, you are one of the stones that help make grace what it is. I have just been one of many stones. But all of us together, built up with Christ as the cornerstone, make grace what it is. And it will continue long after I'm gone. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, we see here that God carefully joins us together into houses like this when at grace, with Christ at the center. This isn't just a place that you visit once a week to get s- spiritual food. This isn't a place like Walmart or Home Depot where you just kind of check in once a week, get what you need, and leave. You are not a consumer here. You have been called by God to be a a stone that helps make grace what it is. And that isn't based necessarily or built around me as a pastor. You know, Paul dealt with this in his life. when you re- We read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There were people who were arguing in the church back in his day about who was, uh, who was most important. And was it Paul, because he planned these churches, or Apollos and these other people. And Paul's like, people, give me a break. This has no-. Paul said, it has nothing to do with me. He says, I'm just one of many that make the church what it is. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are God's temple? He says, you are that temple. He says, yeah, Paul Paul said, yeah, some people come in and they, they plant the church and some others come in and water it, but you are the church. And it will continue, Paul said, long after I'm gone. Here at Grace, many, many years ago, A man by the name of Dan Johnson planted this church. And God's work has continued after Dan's been gone. Pastor Scott and I have watered here, this place, for a quarter century. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. But the important thing is that you've grown. And God has formed you and chiseled you, chiseled off your rough edges more and more, and built you into a beautiful house. A place where people can come to find Christ. And as you have grown, getting back to 1 Peter, you've become living stones through Christ to do what? What does it say? To offer spiritual sacrifices through worshiping Him and serving others here in our city. You know, a spiritual sacrifice is an offering of the self expressed in how we praise and worship God and how we do good to those who are around us in our community. Peter says that we are holy priests. Did you notice that? Did that give you some weird visualizations when you saw that? I thought about that. I was thinking about you know, people walking around with these clerical collars on, you know, or you know, priests back centuries ago who would sacrifice animals to God. So what, is it, what does Peter mean when he's calling us to be holy priests? Well, when we look at the word holy, what it means is to be holy is to be set apart. Not necessarily to wear clerical collars or to sacrifice animals, but to worship God. To come together on the first day of every week here in this place to give God our very best. To offer him our hearts in worship. So that he can pour into us and prepare us for the other six days of the week. As we are his salt and light in our community. As we offer spiritual sacrifices in his name before others. So that others can come to know him. As we do. That's what Peter is speaking of here. As we serve, as we love each other in the world, as we use our resources and our giftedness, we help people know and fall in love with the God that we have come to know. I have been so blessed over these years to watch how God has done that in you. In first service, I looked around the room and I just looked into the eyes of So many dozens of people, and I could just see in each one of them how God has used them over the last several years to help people take steps closer to Jesus. And As I look around this room, I see the same thing. So many of you, you've allowed God to stretch you, to use you, and God has used you in some powerful ways to make a kingdom difference. I look around this room, and I see... um, some of you who have, God has used to help with our Alpha ministry. I see those of you that God has used to teach financial peace universities so that people can get out of the stranglehold of debt. I see some of you that God has used in our communities, serving at La Primavera and other places in town to help people come to know Jesus for who He truly is. I see some of you who have served and done, sacrificed so many hours of your time putting on things like a fall festival, Right? Or a Bethlehem quest. All these different things to tr- attract our community here so that we can love on them and we can help them see Jesus. God has used each one of you as a living stone. Not a dead one in a medieval church somewhere, but a living one. One's alive. Today, Peter laid out for us these in these few verses our four spiritual commitments. These things at Grace that we talk about here all the time. About growing together, worshiping, and serving together through our sacrifices. And as you continue to reach more people for Christ through Alpha, through VBS on, in every June, and in Uganda of all places. As you continue to host G-City weekends and go out into our community and love on people. And help them experience Jesus. As you continue to host short-term groups here during the week. And support groups like Divorce Care and Grief Share and all these other things. As you continue to reach out to at-risk kids in our community and at-risk seniors. And share with them the love of Christ. You are being used as a living stone. God continues to build a community here. A strong spiritual house at Grace. But never forget... Grace's strength comes in part from your life as a living stone. I don't know what grace has, what God has in store for you next, Grace. Heck, I don't even know what God has in store for me, to be honest. But I know that if you continue to see yourself as one of Grace's living stones... You will continue to bring God great delight and joy. And you will continue to bless this city. And more and more people will come to know Jesus just as you have. Let's keep building up ourselves and see what God does in our midst. Lord God, I am so grateful for this place. But I am way more grateful for these people that are in this place that make grace what it is. Lord, three decades ago, you decided to establish a work here. And you started bringing people together to be the initial stones for this spiritual building. Lord, you have used each one of us in different ways to help people take steps closer to you. And we have strived to take steps closer to you ourselves over these years. And Lord, I pray for each person in this room And each person who is listening online, that you will continue to use us in those ways. That you will continue to stretch us. That you will continue to chisel away our rough edges. So that we can live into the fullness of what you have for us in this life. Because it is so short. And you have so much in store for us in this short time that we have here. Forgive us, Lord, when we become selfish and we focus too much on ourselves and what we want. Help us, Lord, to be people of grace. People who love unconditionally. People who give of ourselves, even when it hurts. So that people will come to know you for who you truly are. If you're here this morning, and you have never accepted Christ into your life, I want to encourage you this morning. What are you waiting for? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from taking just a simple, small step of faith and trust and saying, I'll explore this God thing a little bit. I'll explore what it would look like to put my faith and my trust in a God that I can't see. What would it look like for you to make that step, knowing that there are people around you who can tell you that once you take that step, God will make himself more and more and more real to you. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your own heart and allow God's work to begin in you. Maybe you're here today and you've, you accepted Christ into your life a long time ago, but you kind of walked away from it. You had doubts or you felt like you weren't doing the things that God wanted for you and you just decided, all the heck with it. And uh, God is lovingly calling you back today and telling you how much He wants to be in your life. So if that's you and you just want to rededicate your life today, I want to encourage you to do so. Let's just pray this prayer together in the silence of your heart as I speak these words aloud. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I confess that I need your grace. And I'm so glad that you have brought me here today to be among a people of grace, a people who love unconditionally but who continue to challenge each other to take steps closer to you and not be okay or be settled with where they are. Lord, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to see your work, your transforming work in my own life and the potential that lies there that you've placed in me many years ago when I was born. Lord, I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior and with what little faith I have, I place it in your hands and I ask that you would begin to do a work in me. Begin to change me from the inside out. Make me into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be as I Uh, Welcome your spirit into my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.